Thank you for joining us. You're listening to a Saturday edition of Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. If the gospel is preached day after day across America, and yet that gospel does not produce righteousness, if those who hear that gospel proclaimed continue to love all of the things of darkness, if they continue to walk in the ways of the world and lust after the things of the flesh, there must be something wrong with a gospel that's being preached because it's not cutting through the darkness and it's not producing a righteous people. We welcome you to Living Water today. We're pastors Ray and Jan Greenley of the National Prayer Chapel, and we're coming to you today from our nation's capital. My greatest need is to have my sin taken away, the sin both of my past and the sin of today. The book of Romans tells us how Jesus meets our need to be clean before a holy and righteous God. Now this is deep water. It's going to challenge many of your favorite beliefs. My brother and sister, I urge you, if you are hungry for Jesus, if there's a desire in your heart to follow after him, if your heart reaches out with love toward Jesus Christ, then look in the scriptures, write down the text, and search to make certain that what we're saying to you is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're dealing today with Romans, the third chapter, in verse 21. Romans, the third chapter, verse 21. But we must review for just a moment. Remember, verse 20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. And we spoke about that word righteous. It's not a legal term. It's not a forensic term. If you really look at the Greek very carefully, and we're not Greek scholars, but I've studied Greek for many years, it's very clear that that word righteous can be translated as justified or as pure, as clean, innocent, or righteous. Now in this translation, the NIV, it says, therefore no one will be declared righteous. The word declared is not in the Greek. It's added because of a preconceived notion. There's no justification for it. A better translation would be, therefore no one will be made righteous in his sight by observing the law. In other words, you're not going to become righteous before the Lord God of heaven. You're not going to be clean before the Lord God of heaven by trying hard. And Jan, we're going to find all through this wonderful third chapter of the book of Romans and following then right on through that everything is going to be by faith. That's the big word, Ray. And we need to follow Jesus and obey him. And it's by faith I trust him. And it's by faith I walk clean. And it's by faith my sins are washed away after I have turned away from them, repented of them, and cut them off of my life. I want to go back and clarify just one issue. What's it's that? It's by faith that we are able to obey the commands that's, of Christ. That's absolutely right. It's by faith I can obey it. I can't do it by white knuckling it, Ray. You can't do it by just saying, I'm so tight and I have my, my rules written down and I'm going to follow them A, B, C, D, E, or 1, 2, 3. No, it doesn't We're work. We're not going to earn this salvation. No. 
But let's be very clear as we begin now to walk through these verses that there is a gospel that you will see emerging out of this wonderful third chapter where Paul summarizes all of the whole book of Romans. He's summarizing this plan of salvation. I want you to hear this and hear it very clearly. It's dramatically different than most of us have believed. It is good news. It's not going to leave us walking in the bondages of sin, playing a shell game, and saying we're righteous, but in fact, we're walking in the same things the world is walking in. Ray, because when we're walking the way you're talking about, like a shell game, the pagans can see through it and they'll say, you are no different from who I am. The modern Christian would say, but I'm forgiven. That's the difference. But that's a prideful way. And it's a lie. And it's a lie. And they can see through your lie and through your pride. And so we need to walk through this very carefully. Now let's begin with verse 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And so we have to ask Jan, what do the law and the prophets testify to? And we don't have a lot of time but let's go to several scriptures that will define for us what the expectation was from the Old Testament regarding this new covenant. Well, one of my favorite scriptures that really supports this is Ezekiel 11, verse 19 through 21. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Ray, one of the things that just really pops to me, it just springs up out of the scripture, I will give them an undivided heart. A divided heart is one that I love Jesus now, and five minutes later, I've hijacked Jesus, and I'm on my own track again. And that can be because I'm angry, my child has done something that made me mad, my son or my daughter, or my boss, I'm mad at him, or my husband, or the circumstances, I'm in traffic, and the driver ahead of me makes me angry, and so I have this divided heart. I want to serve Jesus now and obey him and walk like a holy child, and then something gets in my path, and I change to be a divided heart. Yeah, we might also say we can be one way at church when we have our happy church smile, but as soon as we go home from church, we want to sit down in front of the television, want to kick back and have a beer, and we want to be with the world. And scream and yell at our children, have fights in the family, argue, and that same thing destroys, and it's not an undivided heart. Or we might say, what we really want to do during the week is make money. We want a lifestyle here, and we'll give Jesus 10%, but let's really do the business. If it's going to be, it's up to me. God helps those who help themselves. No fear, and on and on the slogans of the world go. And Ray, we've done our 45-minute job for the week. We went to church. We paid our dues to Jesus, and now... That's all the time I can give him. I don't have time. That's a divided heart. Or to press this point to a very personal level, I can be the person Jesus Christ has called me to be, walking before him. Holy. Holy. Set apart. Set apart, 
without a divided heart, walking in honest obedience to the promptings and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now let's be clear. The question we began with, what did the Old Testament prophets say about this new covenant that was going to be given? Number one, the new covenant would bring an undivided heart. And I will give them that. That's what the Lord said. He would give them. They would not earn an undivided heart. But it would be given to them. An undivided heart would be given or bestowed as a free gift. That was the expectation that when Messiah came, the new covenant was brought into effect, an undivided heart would be given unto them. By faith, right? By faith. By faith. Number two, he would put a new spirit in them. Mm. Now, if you are one of those who is saying, I'm going to continue to walk in this bondage of sin until I go to heaven, and then suddenly Jesus is going to change me, wrong. Mm -mm. Your first day in heaven and your last day on earth, you'll be pretty much the same person you've always been. Because you take your character with you to heaven. That's all you take to heaven. That's all you take. No luggage. You take your character. That's it. And so he's saying an undivided heart and a new spirit in them. When the new covenant is given, a new spirit is given. And of course, we find that fulfillment both in the sanctifying of our hearts, making holy, setting apart under God. That's what we call the new birth, mm -hmm. being born again. That's what being born again means. A difference in my spirit. We have been made over. We have been made new. New creature. New creature in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. Look at the third one. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Now, this is not the sinful flesh that we find spoken of in the book of Romans. Literally, we're speaking here about a heart that is soft, not a field full of stone, but a heart that is soft and receptive to the word of God that's planted in it. A heart that's not arrogant or prideful, Ray, but a heart that is humble. So, Jan, let's be very clear. This promise from Ezekiel is saying, you will have a new heart. It does not say... God is going to pretend that you have a new heart. It does not say that God is going to look at you and not see your old heart and pretend that you have a new heart. It doesn't say that he's going to look at you and see Jesus' heart and your heart's going to remain stony and cold and hard. No, my heart has to be soft like Jesus, but I will be given that by faith, Ray, as long as I cut off the world, and I'm set apart to the Lord God. Well, we're going to talk in a few minutes about how we are set apart, but just briefly, the scripture calls that crucifixion. Mm. The scripture calls that dying. There's only one way to enter from the old into the new covenant. That's death, Ray. And that's through death. Death of self. Until that happens, the old covenant rules and we're either under the law or we're out from under the law, but we still die in our sins. Welcome back as we turn once more to look at the book of Ezekiel, the 11th chapter, verse 20. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Isn't this exactly what Jesus said in John 15, in John 17? Yes. If you love me, 
Keep my commands. Obey me is what he's saying. He's saying obey me. Yes. This Old Testament prophet, Ezekiel, this holy man of God, is saying that when the new covenant comes, you're going to have a new heart, and you are going to actually, in reality, follow the decrees and the laws of the Lord God Almighty. Because your heart loves him so much, you want to give all and you want to be obedient to him. But it's not just that, Jan. It's also that actually, in reality, the Holy Spirit does an awesome work in us so that we no longer have an appetite for the things of the world. That's all by faith, Ray. I can tell you right now that if you go in this evening or in the morning, you go in and sit down before the television and you can watch the soap operas, you can watch all the things that are going on, you can watch all of the professional sports, then I can tell you right now, you still do not have a new heart. You have not been born again. And then you go pick up your Bible, and it tastes like cardboard. Or you'll fall asleep because it doesn't taste good. It's, it's not something you want to take into your soul. So your body rejects it by falling asleep, and it just doesn't taste good to you. Ezekiel eleven, nineteen through 20 tells us that under the new covenant, we will be given an undivided heart. We will be given a new spirit. We will have removed the heart of rebellion or stone, and we will be given a heart of flesh or a soft heart. We're told that we will follow the decrees of the Lord God of heaven. We won't be walking in rebellion then we come to part B of 20. They will be my people and I will be their God. So what the new covenant promise is from the Old Testament is that we are going to have a personal, intimate fellowship with the Lord God of heaven, even as Adam and Eve had before they fell. In other words, we'll want to commune with the Lord constantly. When he comes into the garden of our heart, we will run to him and we won't be hiding among the trees. Wearing the fig leaves. Yes. Isn't that an awesome, awesome thing, Ray? Verse 21, But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. So a part of the promise of the Old Covenant looking forward to the New Covenant is that we will no longer walk under the judgment or wrath of God. We will be set free from that horrible expectation of destruction and judgment. Let's go to another promise that's made. We find this in Hebrews, the eighth chapter. And we'll begin reading with verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. 
I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And so again, we find the writer of Hebrews quoting Jeremiah in looking forward from the Old Testament to this new covenant understanding. If you read carefully in Micah 7, you'll find this same expectation is described. Everywhere you find new covenant in the Old Testament, you will find this expectation that God found fault with the people under the Old Covenant because they could not obey the law. And so we come to Romans, and it's very clear that no one is going to be made righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Well, now that we have become conscious of sin, we have seen what it cost Jesus on the cross. I mean, God's judgment, God's justice was very evident on the cross. His governmental principles demanded a blood sacrifice because the covenant had been broken. The everlasting covenant had been broken. And so now this promise in the book of Hebrews, the eighth chapter, is saying, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and, and they, they will, will be, be my, my people. people. Ray, isn't that awesome? My mind, my heart, and my soul, and my will will be in total agreement with the Lord God. That's that sanctified part again, that part that says, I will be made holy. Romans 3.21 says, Now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And so what we've demonstrated today is that the law and the prophets testify that there is going to be a complete change in your life, that you're not going to say you are a follower of Jesus Christ and then not be a follower. You are going to have a single heart you're going to have a new heart of flesh. You're not going to have a heart of stone any longer. You are going to be a new person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Then let's look at verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So this righteousness, and let's define terms. Righteousness is innocence. Right behavior. Purity, mm -hmm. this righteousness, this moral rectitude, this righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ to all, all who believe. Yes. So believing here is not simply intellectual assent. It means actually entering into Jesus Christ. It's not the normal mm. life of a Christian. No, it's not. But let's talk about this word Christian for just a moment. We know that that term was used first in Antioch. It meant a Christ follower, and it was a term of scorn. Look at Jesus now as he's coming to teach the people, and they're all searching after him because he has provided them with free bread and fish. 
And Jesus looks at them and says, you're seeking after me because of the loaves and the fishes. Or because of my hand, because of the miracles, because what I'm giving you. And it is so easy today to want to serve the Lord God for what he can give me, the benefits. What I'm trying to say, Jan, is that many today follow Jesus Christ. That is, they are called Christians, but they respond in the same way these men and women did in the day of Jesus when he said, you have to eat my flesh, you have to drink my blood. In other words, he was saying you have to go through the same process I'm going to have to go through. You're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to go to the cross, deny yourself, and that's the only way through to the Lord God. And he's saying, you literally have to have only my body and my blood for your sustenance. You can't gain sustenance from the television. You can't gain sustenance from your money. You can't gain sustenance in anything except in my broken body and in my spilled blood. That's the whole deal. And that was a pretty straight message. And many of the disciples that were with him said, this is too hard. And many left him. And these were the followers of Jesus. These would be what we would call today cultural Christians. Yes, not disciples, the disciplined ones. They refused the discipline. Yes. They wanted to follow to watch the miracles, to enjoy the benefits. To receive the miracles and to get the, the bennies, as we would call it. Yes. But not to be disciplined. And not to get serious about Jesus and to seek him with all of our hearts, to have that divided heart. And so we would ask you today, are you walking as a cultural Christian? One of the ways you can tell if you're a cultural Christian is that you're slipping and sliding. One day you love Jesus, and you go to church, and you say, I'm going to follow him. But as soon as you leave, you begin to follow the devil. You begin to follow the ways of the world. You begin to follow your family. You begin to follow your friends. You have a divided heart. You've not been born again. But the other way is, what tells about who you are and how you walk is that you're consistent no matter where you are, whether you're at your job, whether you're at home, or whether you're by yourself. You act, you sound, you look, and you talk like Jesus. And your heart is on Jesus' heart or the heart of the Lord God. And you're watching and waiting for him and you're spending time with him. That's a single devoted heart. That's the heart I want. And I keep pressing for more and more of Jesus. Now we face the question, do you really want Jesus? Or do you really want your hanging with the world and spray painted Jesus? Do you want your cotton candy Jesus? Or do you want the real Jesus? Your guilt is far deeper than you think, and your danger much greater than you know. If you could see your sin as Jesus does, you would wish to die or be redeemed. But don't believe the lie of the devil. You've not grieved away the Holy Spirit forever, or you would not be listening today to this broadcast. We don't want to deceive you by comforting you in your sin, because that would ruin your soul. Are you on the verge of hell? You are if today your heart is in rebellion against God. 
Don't be comforted by the lie that if you're one of God's chosen ones, you're going to be saved even though you continue your wicked, self-centered, world-loving lifestyle. If you do not repent, you will be lost. We do have your best interests at heart, but we're not willing to soft-sell the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not willing to compromise it, and we have not come on this broadcast in order to please you. We're not here to build a ministry. Our ministry is already established, and that is in the prayer closet to minister to the heart of Jesus. So we don't have anything to gain personally by coming to you, but oh, we have everything to gain for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so we need to ask you some searching questions. How do others see you, like your boss, your family, your friends, your co-workers? Are you a casual Christian? In other words, you look like the world and act like the world. Or are you a true follower of Jesus, one who is disciplined by the Lord God of heaven? Are you remaining faithful to Jesus, or is your heart divided? On a scale from 1 to 10, how hungry are you for an undivided heart? And are you willing to pay the price to get that undivided heart? Which means time in the prayer closet, time reading your Bible, time fasting before the Lord, and eagerly pressing into Jesus. When I was just a young pastor, Jan, just beginning in the ministry, I had an opportunity to sit down and talk with an old-time holiness preacher. And in the conversation, I said to him, how much time do you spend every day reading your scripture? And he kind of sat back in the chair and he looked at me and he said, you know, Ray, if I don't spend a minimum of three hours a day in the scriptures, that's not sermon preparation. If I don't spend a minimum of three hours a day with Jesus, mm. I would dry up yes, and blow, blow away. away. I was shocked because at that point I was spending my five or ten minutes with my morning watch, my daily bread, mm. and that was my devotional life. And then I would spend a lot of time researching and doing my sermons. Studying the commentaries. Studying the commentaries and and doing all the research necessary to preach a sermon that I would write out in manuscript form. So you're saying collecting intellectual thoughts versus really pressing into the Lord and eating His Word, in a sense, morning, noon, and night, but eating the Word of God seriously every day, like a meal you cannot go without. For if you do, your soul will be starved. So is your soul starving for the Lord God? Or are you satisfied with the food of the world? Have you received from heaven the coals off the altar? And do they burn in your heart with passion? Or are you a cold or lukewarm person on the way to death and destruction? Jesus said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Oh, I pray today your heart is on fire for Jesus. Yes, almighty God. Yes, Lord Jesus, we just come. We ask that the fire of your Holy Spirit would come and enter into yes. these dear ones oh, who are listening. God. Yes, Don't Lord. let them turn aside yes. and say, oh, I know that. 
Lord, deal with the hardness of heart today. Convict their heart, Lord Jesus. Bring them into your presence, Draw Jesus. them, Lord. Draw them, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, we mm. just cry aloud today yes. and ask you to do whatever is necessary in the hearts of these dear ones to bring them into the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your holy name, amen. amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Oh